good. You can take that. Oh, thanks. thanks. Oh, my. <laughs> what a great moment. So much fun to go back in time and worship. I mean, that's the, those are the songs that changed our lives. Um, yeah, for sure. So good to have Scotty and Carla back with us today. Oh, my goodness, guys. We just bless you. Miss you guys like crazy. Thanks for being here. And, and then Kurt and Chris, oh, <laughs> these two have just been involved in a powerful outpouring of the Spirit in Pensacola. And that just happened a week ago Saturday. And uh, everybody in the room on the floor and wrecked. And I encourage you to go get next to them. And I'd also encourage you to have them pray for you. And at the end, just mob them. We, we want to hear more about this and see more. I mean, we are out, out of what's happening in Asbury. We're seeing these pockets of revival breaking out all over the earth. And in nation after nation, it's just it's an incredibly exciting moment to be involved in the kingdom and see what God's doing. And we just love being part of it. And I believe that right here, we're actually seeing an increase of his power and presence as well. The, the presence in worship has been increasing. Uh, for the last uh, ascend was incredible. Uh, just God's presence and God's power at work in people. And that's going to increase. So we're, we're in a series leading up to um, Resurrection Sunday. And just laying the groundwork for some of those things that happened during that lead up. Um, it, it's everything quite important. Last week, um, Marlene spoke on the anointing of Jesus' feet, and it was just really good. And I asked for this particular one, which the title is Untie Your Donkey. And uh, I asked for this for a very specific reason. This this seven verses in um, Luke 19, from 30 down to about 37, probably are the greatest transformation in my life happened through these, three, these seven verses. And I want to try to communicate what happened in me years ago. Um, nearly, well, it is 50 years ago now, almost. Um, just what happened in me in that season. But I also want to apply it to everybody in this room this morning. Um, turn to your neighbor said, I'm not going to be offended by being called a donkey, a donkey this morning. <laughs> Good. Now, with that out of the way, we're going to talk about the kind of donkey that Jesus needs. What's it going to take for us to be equipped and ready to carry his presence. And so let's start in the, in the passage, um, Luke 19, verse 30. Jesus tells his disciples, go into the village over there. He told them, and as you enter, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So we've got a donkey tied up. We've got a donkey in some kind of situation where there's a rope around his neck. 
But the key we start with is the Lord had needs, has need of you. The Lord needs you. If you walk out of this room with anything this morning, I want you to walk out with a revelation that the Lord needs you. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. It doesn't matter how bound up you might be. It doesn't matter what history you've walked through. It doesn't matter what failure has been in your life. It doesn't matter what circumstances have worked against you. The Lord has need of you. And when we begin to let that revelation get down inside us, it will actually change who we are. When Sally and I started in ministry, I was an extremely broken man. Uh, my upbringing had put things into my life and attitudes into me that were completely ungodly. But the only thing I knew was I had a call in my life. I knew his call. And so when Sally and I got together, we got together on the fact that we were both called. We knew the Lord had need of us. And if you, if you will let the fact of his call be central, then the walking through the process of getting untied is nowhere near as difficult as we think it is. But our challenge too often is we look at the bondage we're in, we look at the failures in our history, we look at what hasn't worked, and we let those things actually shape our identity. So we've got a donkey, and this amazing donkey has a call in its life. The Lord has need of you. The Lord needs you. But you're tied up. Over in the Matthew passage, I... Th I not going to go there today, but um, in the Matthew 21 accounting of the same thing, it says there's a donkey and a young colt with the donkey. So it's, this is a multi-generational call. This is a call to every generation right now. This is a call that I believe God is going to release this outpouring that we're experiencing in place after place. He's going to release it across the earth. And it's not going to be just one generation or another. I think it's going to touch every generation. And my expectation is. So this donkey with a call in his life has dreamed of being used by God. He has dreams of breakthrough and speaking before thousands and all of these dreams, but the reality is the dreams aren't coming to life because he's tied up. He's in bondage and don't know why he's in bondage. I knew some of my bondage. Some of it was sin, some of it was habits, some of it was unforgiveness, some of it was bitterness, some of it was resentment, some of it was judgment, some of it was offense. You can go down the list of the reason that we're tied up. But the truth is, there's a call, but you can't fulfill the call if you're in bondage. You can't fulfill the call until something changes in your life. And I imagine, like this donkey, I tried a number of times to get out of the rut. And every time I tried to get out, there's a rope around my neck that jerked me back. And the only thing I could do is go around and around the post in circles and never actually got anywhere. I tried to break out so many times, but never got free. It got so bad and the rut got so deep that there was no hope of ever getting free because this is just the way life is.
And I believe there's some in the room that have fought things in your life, fought physical things, fought emotional things, fought historical things, fought failures. And, and those things get us in such a rut that there's no hope of ever breaking out and actually being who we're called to be. But I believe, just like Bree this morning, I believe there's freedom for us. There's freedom to break out. There's freedom to come out of the things that have held us captive and bring us into a place where we can make that declaration, my life is changed forever. And the older you get, the more you look back and realize there were moments in your life when that change happened, and every one of them was just a greater level of freedom, a greater level of liberty, a greater level of breakthrough. How many of you had a few of those levels of breakthrough in your life? I want to suggest there's more. There's more. There's more. So he's gone around in circles for years, and then this same passage has a little key. And this was the key that broke me. You see a donkey tied that no one has ever ridden on. See, the problem with this little donkey is that he's unbroken, unsurrendered, undisciplined, independent, and self-willed. No one's ever broken this donkey. You can't carry the king until you're broken. You can't carry the king until we get over ourselves to the point where we really are broken so that we can carry him correctly. Breaking isn't breaking your spirit, but it's breaking that willfulness and bring us into a place where we're in full surrender to the king, where it's no longer my will, but it's your will. It's no longer what I want, but it's what you want. In order for us to carry the king to the world, which is the donkey's call, it can't be about us. It can't be about our will. It can't be about our desires. It can't be about where we want to live. Springfield, Missouri was not selling my choice. I promise you. We came kicking and screaming. And it took us years before we could say we love this city. Today we love it. Today we love it. Today we're believing for this city to be transformed by the power of God. We are so excited about what's happening this next week at James River. We believe this week of power is going to be one of those shaking moments that actually affects our entire city. We've seen moments, but this is, this is one of those defining moments when there's a breakthrough, there's a shaking. But it's not going to be because somebody willed it to happen. It's going to be because the Father is outpouring something on us and we just surrender to what He's doing. There's a place of surrender. There's a place of breaking. You know, if we've never learned to submit to His will, we will always live in bondage. Can I say that again? If we've never learned to submit to his will, we will always live in bondage. I wish that wasn't true. How many of you wish there was an easier way to do this? 
But see, if we, if we will learn to surrender to the will of the master, we'll be broken by the master. If we'll be broken so he can write on us, then we can correctly represent him to the world. And we're not representing our stuff to the world, we're representing him to the world. This will transform us, church. This will change how we respond and how we react and how we behave. We've got, to, we've got to be free enough that the world can have an unobstructed view of who Jesus is. Wherever they encounter you, whether it's in the marketplace, in the workplace, wherever, the world needs an unobstructed view of who the king is, and they need to see that in you. Otherwise, we're carrying the king with our banner of all the other things we want to be there. That will never bring revival to the earth. Only Jesus, only the Holy Spirit released fully through us is going to bring the awakening that we're believing for and looking for. And that comes with us as individuals coming to a place of brokenness, a place of holiness, a place of surrender, a place of laying down our stuff where our agenda doesn't matter anymore. I believe a large section of the body of Christ is coming to that place at this moment where it's about time to, that we're going to be ridden on. <laughs> that sounds fun until you actually get, it, get to do it. Untie it and bring him to me. Jesus responds. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus said. This is verse 32. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord had need of it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over him for him to ride on. Can, can, what does freedom feel like? I mean, this donkey gets untied, and in that moment from here to there, he's completely free. But then he discovers that you're out from under one law to come into another law. The law of Spirit of Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death, but it's still a law. It's still a requirement. It's still a responsibility. We've been transferred out of one kingdom into another kingdom, but we now have a responsibility of representing the one who set us free. So this donkey comes out, and he's finally free, and he's finally going to fulfill his destiny. He gets, to, he gets to carry the king. There's this excitement in him, and the first thing they do is cover him up so you can't see the donkey. first thing they do is throw their coats over him and I mean he so wants to be seen maybe it's only me okay he so wants to be seen and now he's free and he's going to get to do his calling but nobody gets to see him that's being broken 
There's something in all of us that we've got to walk into. We've got to move from a place of being independent to a full surrender, a disciple equipped to carry his presence. We've got to be there. I believe this move is going to be so profoundly carried, not by magic leaders, but by the body of Christ behaving like Jesus. Tens of thousands of people. And everywhere this move is breaking out, you're not hearing the names of the people leading it because the leaders are actually nameless. They're just people shaped to carry his presence. We love to rejoice in the freedom he brings us, but he's also Lord and Master. And if we don't learn his lordship, we'll never fulfill our call and purpose. This is a season of his lordship being, being put on us. And now in that moment, we lose our identity and our responsibility of carrying him. The problem we have is if we spend our time as the people of God or as leaders, if we spend our time trying to get people to recognize us, we're going to miss it. Because that, that simply, it simply blocks us from fulfilling our destiny. This transfer responsibility comes the responsibility to kill him without being recognized. If you're concerned about what other people think about you, then you're living by the fear of the man, not the fear of the Lord. Anytime you're concerned about how you appear to somebody else, you're operating out of fear of man. How, how many of you might have done that once or twice recently? How hard, how hard is it? We, we really do want people to like us. But pretty soon that wanting people to like us becomes being manipulated to be what we think they want. Instead of being one thing, your job is to carry Jesus to the world. You have no other job. I guess there, there, there are many elements of that. There's worship, and there's intimacy, there's all those things that belong in that. But, but at the end of the day, what you will be judged on when you stand before God is how well did you represent Jesus to the world? The well done comes with how well did you represent him? <laughs> not what a good employee you were, not, not what a good whatever you were. But how well did you represent Jesus? The older you get, the more focused eternity becomes. Not in a negative way, just the reality. What actually matters? What actually has eternal value? The difference between Saul and David, two kings of Israel. Saul's response when he sinned was 
make me look good in front of the people. David's response when he sinned was, search my heart, O God, see if there's any wicked way in me. One produces a man after God's heart, the other destroys the anointing. Both have the same opportunity, both, both have the same opportunity to lead the people of God. But one is so consumed with how people see them that they lose their destiny. The other just says, search my heart. This is a moment for God to search our hearts and see if there's anything in us that doesn't belong. Is there any desire? Is there any motive? Is there any aspiration that has to do with me instead of you? Search our hearts, God. Jesus is looking for a people to carry his presence who will let their hearts be searched and will hunger after holiness in his presence. That's his heart. That's his heart for us. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that his intention is that we get free in community. We actually have this amazing community of people that will rally around us and walk through it with us and help us get there. And there are communities all over the city of people who are hungry to see the power of God. And we've got to be willing to let God do in us whatever he wants to do. We've just gotten to see many of us, the Jesus Revolution movie and um, an accurate depiction of one little time frame of that move. There's a whole bunch more to that move that I, I wish the movie had been a little bit more. But it, it's, one, it's a snapshot into a season. And that, that was an incredible season when there was a restoration for the body of Christ. I mean, there were... There were leaders in the body of Christ that, that believed that that was the last great revival. And that was because it was so transforming to the earth, to, to the, not just to the U.S., but to the earth. It spread all over the earth. Incredible breakthroughs. And out of that time, there were ministries that developed. And I just want to put those three ministries up on the board for a minute. Those ministries are ministries that these three kind of usage of these words, it's not that these things weren't done before that, but during that period, these became the tools to get people fully free. Discipleship being essential that people walk through into freedom and there's, the word is laid into them and they, they, they walk through the, the process of becoming Christ-like because they've been, been impacted by the Word. The inner healing move was birthed during that great move, and that, that is just a breaking down of those things that, that hold us captive. It's, it's dealing with the way some of the decisions we made and the vows we made and things that happened in our background. It's, it's bringing those things into freedom in us so that we walk free of the junk from our history. And deliverance is the, 
the breaking us free from any demonic stronghold, any junk that's attached. And each of these ministries has, over the years, become, they've been refined. We've gotten better at it. Um, the early days of each of these was, was a little gnarly. Um, if you want to read the early days of deliverance, read Pigs in the Parlor. I mean, I grew up in a season where if you sneezed in church, they tried to deliver you of the demon that you sneezed. I mean, that was, it, it got pretty weird, okay? But each of these has a tremendous value in the body of Christ. It was something that God established in us to bring us into freedom. And, and we want to be a body that has these different ministries available to us to bring us into freedom. Now, the challenge that we all face is that we all probably like one better than the others. I want to suggest to you that if we will do all correctly, we stay centered around repentance. Because the core is repentance. The core is not deliverance. The core is not anything. It's the core is repentance, the transformation that comes from repentance. And the problem we have is that in the body of Christ, we have a tendency to either overemphasize or overexaggerate. We just, it's people. We're people. And if inner healing, just jump to that next group, inner healing without repentance at its core leads us to a victim mindset and codependence on ministry. Inner healing is not bad. But if inner healing is all we do, then we end up feeling constantly like a victim of our history instead of a victor coming into our new identity. And, and if we're not careful, we actually can develop a codependence on the person doing the ministry. And so get the inner healing you need. Get the breakthrough you need. Get with somebody and get that breakthrough. We, ha we have people that will walk you through that kind of healing. Deli de uh, what do I have next here? Deliverance is the same way. Deliverance without repentance leads to unforgiveness and blaming others for our actions. If, you, if, you, if we can go through deliverance and, and you can deal with the demonic, but if you don't deal with the stuff that holds that captive, if you don't deal with your unforgiveness, if you don't deal with your bitterness, if you don't deal with those things that open the door, then, then we end up being a, a people that blame others for all of, our, all of our failure. Anybody been there before? Discipleship is the same way. Without repentance, discipleship leads to conformity. We're being, we're being shaped by the opinions of others rather than being shaped by Christ, being shaped by the Holy Spirit. The end of the Jesus Revolution movie, the kind of exit of Lonnie Frisbee is that he exited to Florida. Well, he did. He exited to Flor Lauderdale, Florida, where he became a part of what we now would look back and say is the shepherding movement. And they actually tried to help 
and, and this is just, just a fact. I mean, during that time there, um, he got divorced, and, and it was actually an incredibly difficult time for him. But about 10 years later, he actually went back to Chuck Smith. This is the bit I wish had been in the movie. He went back to Chuck Smith, um, set things right, and it was that going back in about 79, late 79. And then in 1980 is when he was asked to do the Mother's Day service at John Wimber's church. And the vineyard movement was birthed in one service by Lonnie Frisbee releasing that supernatural anointing. I just, we kind of stopped before we got to the next season. And, and Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel, that was a, a Baptist-like group, which is not negative, it's just a statement. Um, a little bit wary of the supernatural, a little bit wary of signs and wonders. But 10 years later, there's the birthing of the vineyard, which now catapulted signs and wonders into the whole earth. Why am I saying that? That, that group in Fort Lauderdale, every one of those leaders has repented of their control and manipulation. Because we took discipleship to an extreme where it was conformity to people rather than conformity to who the Spirit is. Maybe TMI for you, but it's important. It's important. Why is it important? Because as Dayspring, we have all three of these things in operation, and they're not in competition with each other. There's a desire that we stay centered on repentance and that we see inner healing, deliverance, discipleship as part of this life of that donkey getting untied and becoming the carrier of who Jesus is. You might have a preference, one or the other. I probably do have a preference. I'm not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Sally and I have done all three of these ministries for years. And we've gotten all three wrong over the years. We've pulled all three of these off of repentance. We, we've been in situations where we, we saw the destruction of not doing it right. Y'all with me? Yeah. We want to be donkeys that carry the presence of Jesus. Donkeys need to be untied. We need these ministry gifts in operation. Overemphasis on any one of these will pull us away from truth. Underemphasis will leave people in bondage. We've got to figure out how to walk these things correctly. So the call then is to repent and return. What do you return to? We return to the testimony of Jesus. We return to what God's doing and what he's done. We return to celebrating what God's doing. I hear the body of Christ speaking against people like Lonnie because he had a weakness in his life. God help us. God help us in the body of Christ. If we define somebody by their failures instead of by the call of God on their life. Somebody once said, Christians are the only army that shoots their wounded. The only army that shoots their wounded. God help us to 
not define people by their failure, but by who they are in God. Jesus didn't define the donkey by the fact he was tied, but by the need for somebody to carry the king. I've watched God use people over the years that I wouldn't have chosen. Jesus, help me. You know, the first blind eye opened to Dayspring was open during a youth conference. And the girl that prayed for healing and saw the blind eye open had been saved two nights before. God, deliver us from our judgment. God, deliver us. We need to be free to carry who he is. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments in the road ahead of him. Oh, Jesus. Now, if you're Jesus, that's really cool. If you're the donkey, people who love Jesus are throwing junk in your way. And suddenly, it feels like the Christians are trying to trip you up. And you're carrying this precious cargo of Jesus. And believers are doing the most bonehead things. Anybody ever been there? And if you're not careful, we get offended at the palm branches and the coats. We get offended at the stuff people are doing and we end up tripping and not carrying Jesus correctly because we let our hearts get offended at what somebody else is doing or saying. I totally understand why people don't want to pastor a church. It's the worst job in the world. Only an idiot would pastor a church. A called idiot. <laughs> because we're really mean to each other. Not supposed to be. They'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, we'll know we are Christians by our love. Written in 1960 at the beginning of that before really Jesus' movement had taken off at all, written by a Catholic priest who was hungry for the body of Christ to come back together and represent who Jesus was. Became an anthem of the Jesus movement. Became an anthem of the season in the body of Christ where there's, there's a hunger that we actually start representing him correctly, that we, we stop dividing over the minutia of doctrine and we gather around the person of who he is and our job is to represent him to the world. Yeah. Not to separate over our doctrinal preferences. Now you're allowed to have doctrinal preferences. You're just not allowed to separate over them. 
You know, the reformers, Martin Luther, never wanted to leave the church. His intention was to help from within it reform it and bring it into wholeness. God, help us to be a people that bridge the gaps instead of creating the gaps. I think one of the dangers of this moment is we can get with our preferences. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with every single thing that Bethel has ever spoken. But my God, they're ushering in a presence of God into a season. We've got to stop the bad-mouthing of what God's doing in people. Now, feel free to have discussions about, I, I just, I'm not sure how I would say that the same way. There are things I wouldn't say the same thing. But I deeply respect and honor that move of God. God help us when we start dividing out a piece of the body of Christ. We have been praying since 2011 for Randy and Bill to stand in James River Assembly. We have been pray personally praying since 2011 to see those two men on the platform of that great church. What does it feel like this week? What does it feel like? God help us to be a people that love the body of Christ because we love Him. Even though we may not always agree on the specific things, we still know how to love each other. So in Scripture, the donkey actually represents several things, but I just want to look at three of the specific things being a donkey represents. Number one in Scripture, it represents surrender. Just the, that idea of a donkey. If you're going to be a kind of donkey Jesus needs, there's surrender. And, and it represents that vertical surrender to the Holy Spirit and the maintaining of intimacy with Him where that vertical life is alive and flowing in you. You know, you can face anything here if this is okay. When I meet with pastors that are burning out, they forgot this. And if you don't have this, you don't have the grace for this. We got to stay in that place of intimacy, that place of surrender to the king where... Our service to Him is the heartbeat of everything we are. The second piece that comes out of that same is suffering. Um, a donkey in Scripture represents suffering. And that really is the horizontal relationship, the correct maintaining of relationships. How many of you know maintaining relationships is hard sometimes? We ought to be able to maintain relationships with people even when they're not doing what we think they ought to be doing. Traditionally, if somebody leaves your church, 
you cut off relationships with them. That's not scriptural. That's not Bible. That's not love. That's not, that's not the kingdom of God. Your relationship should be just as deep whether they come to the same meeting. Oh, some of you look at me so funny now. Who do we represent? I think, personally, that Paul's thorn in the flesh was broken relationships. My personal opinion. Or so many broken, so many people didn't walk with him when could have walked with him or should have walked with him. I, I bet Paul was a real piece of work. I bet it was tough to be on his team. But toward the end of his life, he's aching that, Timothy, you're all I got left out of all those. You're the only one left walking with me. Listen to the cry of a heart, the suffering. One of the greatest sufferings Sal and I have ever faced in our life is broken relationships. I ache, I hurt, I grieve for relationships that should have life in them that don't have anymore. As a, as a people, we can, we, can dis, becomes, we can dispose of people we don't need anymore. That's so ungodly. We've got to be a people that value the people God puts around us. And then the third word that represents, there's, there's four or five of these, but the donkey in Scripture represents humility, which is the inward death of self when we lay down our life for others. That's what God's after. God's after this life of service, the willingness to suffer, the humility of laying our lives down for others. That's, that's what it actually looks like to get free. That's what it looks like for that donkey to be untied and us begin to walk as he called us to walk. So the most challenging part of the, of the Christian life is not stumbling over what other people are doing. <laughs> How many have ever stumbled over somebody else's behavior? That you, you struggle with that? Yes, me too. And the truth is that to be stumbled by others is to be in bondage to the fear of man. When I'm stumbled by something somebody else does, it means I'm living in fear of man rather than fear of the Lord. If I'm living in fear of the Lord, I'm not going to get stumbled by somebody else's behavior. Sally and I had the privilege of being discipled by just an incredible guy named Philip Mohabir. And uh, for several years, he walked alongside us, and he's responsible for shaping me into being a pastor, into being something I care for people, my love for people. That was shaped by his life in me. I had none of that when we started with him. But he always used to say, don't ever let their problem be your problem. And that wasn't a dismissiveness. 
It was just don't allow yourself to ever get offended by what somebody else does. But love them. Love them unconditionally. Lay down your life for them and refuse to be stumbled by what they're doing. I mean, after all, isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what he did? I mean, in the moment of the cross, you know, in, in the moment of death, you know, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. I have said that so many times in my life. God, forgive them. Please forgive them. I'm not going to hold this. I'm not going to hold this charge against them. Forgive them for that behavior, for that action, for that attitude. Lord, forgive them. So we've got to have, that's who Jesus was. And if he's in you, then that's what's going to shine out of you. And we'll get away from judgment and criticism. We'll get away from carrying offense. We'll get away from being offended by people. And we'll start learning to love people. Somebody does something you don't understand, go sit down and talk to them. Ask them. Stop getting offended. Stop putting up barriers. Proverbs 29, 25 is, I, I love this verse in New Living Translation. I don't think I got this one up there. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. In King James, I think it's, fear of man brings a snare is the way that's written. New Living Translation. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. <laughs> fearing what they're going to say about you, fearing what they're going to do to you, fearing how you tr they're going to treat you, fearing how they're going to receive you. You can go down through a whole list of places that fear permeates our heart. Then this is the promise. And this is what I believe is happening right now in our nation. And when they reach where the, the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. I think we're coming into a season of the body of Christ where there is going to be a shout and a song break forth where we begin to see, I mean, it's already happening in campuses, it's happening in churches, it's happening in nations. There are at least two places I know overseas that have rented a stadium and just called people to pray, and there are thousands coming to just pray and see God. There, there are meetings where there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming to Christ in just one, one evening of a meeting. What's been birthed in this last season is spreading across the earth. You may not see it yet, but keep your, keep your ear tuned. Watch for it. Begin to look for what God's doing in the earth. I'm just so excited. He's revisiting Pensacola. What an amazing place. The Brownsville Church that was so impacted back at the beginning of Dayspring. We took all our leadership to Brownsville at the beginning of this church. And now in that same church, 
30, that would have been 96, correct, or 95 when that first happened. Somewhere in there, I can't remember what year it was. 95. I mean, now we're almost 30 years later. <laughs> if you want to be the donkey Jesus needs, would you stand up? John Wimber thought it would be safe to have Lonnie Frisbee give the Mother's Day message. He thought there's not much damage he can do on Mother's Day. He knew he was supposed to have him, but it was just he was a little nervous about some of the periphery. You can still find that service actually on YouTube, that 1980 Mother's Day service. But when Lonnie got up on the platform, I don't know how far in it was, but quite early in his message, he said, come Holy Spirit. That phrase had not been used in the church before. It just, it was a really new phrase. Just, just now it's common to us to say that, but Lonnie said, come Holy Spirit. And across that place, Holy Spirit fell. People on the ground weeping, crying. Incredible move of the presence of God. A move that birthed the vineyard movement, which has gone across the world with signs and wonders. Sally and I came into that movement. 1980 was Lonnie. We actually came into it just the end of that first year. 1980, 81. John Wimber and Blaine Cook came to England. And they began to release into England the things that they were experiencing in Anaheim. That's when we came into it just after that period. Incredible presence of God. Why don't you just put your hands out this morning? Father, we say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I believe that in this room this morning, there are several people that are feeling a real conviction of the Spirit. There's things that have been holding you back. And this morning you want to get free. If that's you, I just want to invite you to come out of your seat and come down and stand at the front right now. Just come quickly. Come stand at the front right now. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 What's your name? Again? Say it again. Eric. Eric is coming this morning to 
we dedicate his life to Jesus. The break. To break those things that have held him captive. Pray for him, Lynn. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. There's more. Just, there's more. 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 Come, Holy Spirit. There's more. 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 There's lies being given back to Jesus this morning. There's a there's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Get a couple of those. Go get one of those that's standing down there. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 